I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Tomorrow is mom's birthday. Yes. I better start thinking about what I'm going to get her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last night we read chapter 8. It was an extension of David's victories and expanding the kingdom. Of holidays are. Taking over Hadadezar. Hadadezar was one of the people. We have another equally tough name tonight. Mephibosheth. 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 Brock, say Mephibosheth. 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 There you go. Mephibosheth. There you go. We are in chapter 9, verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lo-Dabar. So King David had him brought from Lo-Dabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? One reason why Mephibosheth may have felt the way he did was that physical illness and weakness 
were looked at as a curse from God. Like if you were suffering of being lame like Mephibosheth was, certainly if you had leprosy, you were looked at as being under the judgment of God. That's the reason you're suffering. We know that this is a broken world. We live in a world that is not functioning the way the Lord originally created it to function. In this time, they are under old law, and people may have been suffering as a direct consequence of the law. However, like today, people may just have been suffering because of the natural consequence of a sinful world, of a broken world, you know? But people carried a lot of guilt and shame for their conditions back then. Some people carry that now. They feel like God has cursed them. They feel like God's abandoned them. They feel like God couldn't possibly love them and see them in that position at the same time. But the truth is, is the Lord is with them and he does love them. And there are people with physical limitations on this earth that feel and experience a sense of much greater purpose and of much greater love and of much greater acceptance than people who don't suffer of the same limitations they do. Some people's limitations you can't see. It's inside. It's just this inner feeling of shame. Like they can't possibly be loved. Maybe a fear of abandonment. You can't see that on the outside but people are still suffering it on the inside. The truth is we live in a broken world and it is abundantly clear to us that we were not created to live in this world forever. And it's abundantly clear that there's an emptiness in our flesh that nothing in this world can satisfy. Even if you were paralyzed and tomorrow you could walk, yes, you'd be happy, no doubt. I would be happy, I'm not taking that away. But it still wouldn't fill the soul with love and acceptance and purpose in the ways that the Lord created you to be only filled by him. And I'm sure Mephibosheth suffered from feeling judged and condemned. And it's obvious in his words when it says, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? That's kind of sad. People shouldn't think like that of themselves. No matter what the world says about you, just no matter what, Even if you're trapped in a really, really evil sin, you're not a dead dog. You're a child of God who wants you to accept him, who wants you to accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Don't worry about being clean enough to come to him. The cleanliness will work itself out. It might take a long time, but as you allow the spirit to live inside you, the fruit of the spirit will come. Don't hold off coming to him until you feel clean. You'll never feel clean. Come to him now. And if you still don't feel clean after receiving him, just stick with him. He'll stick with you. Just stick with him. We continue on in verse 9. Then the king summoned Zibah, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crop so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. 
Now Zabah had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Zabah said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. You know what's kind of crazy? Zibah had 15 sons and 20 servants. Who knows how many daughters he had, but I'd, I'll bet he had at least five daughters. Zibah had maybe 20 kids, maybe more. It's, maybe. It's, it's crazy for us to think about that, but we just live in such a different time. If, if we lived in a time where we truly looked at our kids like the joy of our life, like that's what we want to come home and do is be with our kids. We're going to work for certain hours a day. And then when we're done with work, we're not going to be distracted by TV. We're not going to be distracted by phone. We're not going to be distracted by internet or other things we're trying to get done. We're just going to focus on our family and be happy and grow our family. And without all those distractions, maybe you have more of an opportunity to enjoy being with your wife as well. The more time that a man and his wife have to focus on their love for each other, chances are the more kids they're going to have. They also weren't worried about, and they weren't as worried as people are now about having kids. It was seen in such a positive light to be blessed with children. And now it's kind of like, eh, four, three, two, maybe even five is a blessing, but more than that, and that's crazy. But that's not true. It's not crazy. It's only recently that things like this have become crazy to us because we've just we've just fallen in love with stuff and out of love with family and that's pretty sad mm-hmm. one thing that might actually be good to have more people in your family even though it would be more crowded you would have to pay for like more things or more expensive things um it's like we need people on this earth still because mm-hmm. once um, corona is here like many people are dying and there needs to be other people yeah so not everyone on the earth dies or just a lot that is true you want to have a nice healthy population and of all of the things that the lord did say in his original design Before the fall of man, in his original design, he said, be fruitful and multiply. He wanted a man and the woman he was united with to multiply and have a bunch of kids. That doesn't mean you're doing something wrong if you have zero kids. doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong if you have one or two or three or four or five. Nothing wrong. I'm just saying that the, the culture, the way culture feels about having 15 kids has definitely changed. You'd be looked at as a wacko if you have 15, 20 kids. And that's just not true. Not everybody has to feel like the best thing in life is to have a big house and to become the boss at work and to have three college degrees. Not everybody feels like life is all about how many trips you can take and how many big cars you can afford. Maybe some people still believe that having a big family, raising up little disciples for Christ is actually the most satisfying thing that can come from your life. I know that it's totally shifted my my viewpoints. All I used to care about was achievement. 
and I do care about achievement. I'm not encouraging anybody or you kids not to want achievement. You should go after achievement. You should live and always do everything unto the glory of the Lord. He gave you your opportunities. Do your best at them. I'm challenging people to refocus their heart on what really matters in life. And if stuff really does matter more than a family. And if the reason you want to limit your family is because of how bad you want stuff, again, no condemnation, no judgment. That's just a new concept. In the last 10,000 years, if you think of humans, that's a relatively new concept that we should limit our families because of how much stuff we want to accomplish or have. I think it's cool that Ziba had 15 sons. Yeah. How many kids do you want, Rock? Hmm. I don't know. Not sure yet? You don't have to know. You're just a kid. You got a lot. Like four or two? Yeah? Four through two. Okay. How many boys? How many girls? Mm, I don't know yet. (laughs) Good. You're just a kid. What about you, Trey? I want four. And if I could, if it could happen, maybe a little. A couple more. Okay. Yeah. And how would you like them to be split, boys and girls? Um, I want it to be an even split. So maybe like two boys, two girls, or three boys, three girls, something like that? Mm-hmm. Or if you have five kids. Three and two? Yeah. That's cool. And Trey, you definitely can. Obviously, it takes a blessing from the Lord, so it's good that you're, even just in your response, you're open to the fact that the Lord may not he, he he may have something to say about it and it's good to inquire of him and not to jump to conclusions that well the lord wants me to be like zeba and have 15 sons you may meet a woman who you fall in love with and marry and you guys decide to start having kids and maybe there's reasons why you can't have any doesn't mean you can't adopt a kid and raise kids that way there may be a reason why you can only have two Or you may have 15, but it's good to be open to what the Lord may have planned in your life and always to inquire of him. I've made decisions in my life in this arena where I didn't inquire of the Lord and I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I don't live in shame. I'm just being honest about decisions I've made and they're not even regrets. They're lessons learned. Does that make sense? I can't go back and change it, so I'm not going to regret it. I'm going to think about how I can change my thought process and decision-making process in the future. Agreed? Agreed. Continuing in verse 12, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was crippled in both feet. And I really think that's the point in that statement. It was a person like him should have been made to feel, because of the culture, he should have been made to feel like a crippled man cannot eat at the king's table. But a common line we always say, where the world disqualifies, the Lord qualifies. When the world says, you can't do this, you're not fit, you're not good enough, You're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not something enough. 
Just remember, the world is disqualifying me, which means the Lord is going to qualify me. Now, it's in the Lord's plan, of course. Not everything you think the Lord's going to qualify for you for, right? If the world tells you you're not going to be a billionaire, uh, hey, you can do that. If, well, if that's your ultimate goal in life, you can be a billionaire. But just because the, the world disqualifies you when they say it doesn't mean that the Lord's qualifying you. Yeah, right? he wouldn't make you always a billionaire. We don't really know. All I'm saying is that when it is the Lord's work, when it's having to do with love and acceptance and purpose in accordance with the Lord's word, with the love he has for you, with the purpose he has for you, never let the world disqualify you for anything because he has already qualified you for these things in Christ. And that's what you rest in. And Mephibosheth did that even though he was crippled. It doesn't say that the Lord took care of his condition. He just learned to live and rest with peace. That he was acceptable in his current condition. That the Lord loved him and he was worthy of a place at the king's table uh, and of an inheritance even in his current condition. He didn't have to be cleaned up first. He didn't have to start walking strong first. He was blessed in his current state. That's the end of the chapter. And we will keep reading tomorrow night. I love you, boys. I love you, too. You guys are good kids.